I love the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's giving somebody what they don't deserve. And we see a marvelous display of this in the life of David. Join us as we examine it together next. So just what does grace look like? How does it tangibly manifest itself in your life as a believer in Christ? Well, David gives us a marvelous illustration. It's recorded for us here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Hi there, and welcome to Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today, we take a look at this grace on display as David expresses it to a dear friend's family member with this edition of Truth For Today now. Once again, Pastor Phil Howard. I understand that when Adam sinned, the entire race was poisoned from the head down and that our emotions are twisted, that our thinking becomes twisted, that our health is twisted. Everything about us was kind of thrown off, death set into the race, and we're born dying. We're born dead in sins. We're born with wrong thinking. If you read Ephesians, we were empty in our thinking. We were vain in our thinking. That our will was warped. We did not love God. Messed up. Crippled by a fall. And all of a sudden you hear the king wanting to fetch you to come to his palace. He says, Lord, you don't know what's wrong with me. He said, oh, I know everything wrong with you. But you don't know who I've slept with. You don't know what I've stolen. You don't know how many times I've shot up. You don't know what, what all I've done. You don't know my light life. You don't know where I grew up in Lodibar. I grew up in a no place neighborhood. You don't know my own people call me shame. My own people aren't impressed with me. And a king is bidding me to come to a palace where the food never runs out. God is sending out an invitation to the cripples of the race to come to his palace because he's got a feast. Uh, verse 7, God's grace restores what we lost. Uh, he lost his land. And you know what? For a Jew to have lost his land, when they went over there in that land uh, with Joshua, every family got allotments of land. The land is precious. It, and they're still fighting over land over there, aren't they? Who can be here? Uh, would Jerusalem be an Arab center or the Jewish capital? I mean, that battle, goes, that land is very precious. I've seen it before. And, and be truthful, much of what I've seen in Palestine, I wouldn't trade California for. I mean, there's rocks and desert and, I mean, it is in many parts a desolate place. But it's not that way to the people who inherited it. This is our land. And remember when Moses went there, it was a pasture land. It's been raided. It's been fought over. It's been stripped. So the Jews ever since 1948 have been restoring that land. But to give him his land back is to restore what he lost in exile. And God's grace restores to me everything I lost in Adam. In one fell swoop, Adam got me out of paradise and on my way to hell. One piece of fruit like that, they were kicked out of the garden. They started running with shame. They started going into exile, hiding. God puts two angels with flaming swords to keep them from getting back to the tree of life. They're on the run. 
And I said, I lost everything I was intended to have because Adam represented me and he rebelled. I was born lost. I was born on my way to a crisis eternity. I was born in the deficit. And all of a sudden one day I heard Christ call me to come and he said, I'll restore to you everything you lost in Adam. I'll give you heaven back. I am headed towards paradise, by the way. I am going to heaven and I'm going to regain. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Revelation, they got the tree of life. It's still over there. I get to eat of it eventually. <laughs> Just because I was fetched by a king. And he fetched me. You know what I think of fetch? I think of he just got me. He said, I want to bring you. You know what? I, I hate an impotent God. A God that doesn't have enough power to cast a demon out of a peanut. I want to tell you, this God is powerful. If he wants you, Jonah, he can get you at the bottom of the Mediterranean. He knows your address. He knows your name. And he can outrun you. When you get there, he's going to say, I've been waiting for you. I was already here. And in Christ, you get back everything you lost. Now, God gives it an installment plan. I haven't got the body I'm going to get. No Motrin in heaven, thank God. No arthritis. No dentist. But I've already got a body on reservation, according to the word. He's got a redeemed body for you. He doesn't want you dragging this thing around with all those pills in heaven. He's going to change it. He's going to change it. You won't need glasses. Won't need hearing aids. I can only say this to believers, the stuff I'm talking about. Are you aware of that? Yes. They unsaved. They, they, none of this is true of them until they come to the king's table and hear the voice of God. I'm just trying to be as calm as I can talking about grace. Uh, God's grace gives access to privilege and provisions. Notice that verse 7. You will always eat at my table. Okay, big deal. No, this is a king's table. Look at verse 10. You will always eat at my table. Look at verse 11. David ate at David, uh, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I'm not just at the table, but I'm treated like a son. That means I get big portions. 13, he ate at the king's table, and in contrast, he was crippled in both feet. You're not supposed to be at the king's table. You got to be well. Listen to what Swindoll says. Picture what life would have been like in the years to come at the supper table with David. The meal is fixed, and the dinner bell rings, and along comes the members of the family and their guest. Amnon, clever and witty, comes to the table first. Then there's Joab, one of the guests, muscular, masculine, attractive, his skin bronzed from the sun, walking tall and erect like an experienced soldier. Next comes Absalom, talk about handsome. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, there's not a blemish on him. Then there is Tamar, beautiful, tender daughter of David. And later on, one could add Solomon as well. He's been in the study all day, probably studying frogs and lizards and ants. But he finally slips away from his work and makes his way to the table. Be quiet. Pretty soon you hear clump, 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 clump. 
And here comes Mephibosheth hobbling along. And he smiles as he uses his crutches. And he sits down at the table and tells the maitre d' treat me like a son. Imagine it. Why could he be sitting there? Because David is going to be good to him for the sake of another. Uh, have you ever been uh, to a table where you didn't feel welcome or that it was in a class by itself and you didn't know quite what to do? Uh, I remember uh, what, about the fourth grade, I liked this girl and uh, living on sixth and cutting and uh, decided uh, getting to know her, you know, uh, and her, she, one night she invited me to have dinner with she and the folks, and that was okay, but the first time I could remember eating at somebody's house that wasn't family. Boy, it's awkward, especially when you're a fourth grader. Uh, or to, just to be in a place that uh, etiquette is the climate. You know, when they put eight forks out there, I'm not really worried about them. I only need one where I come from. But it's nice. Carolyn helps me out. That one. Which one stabs it? <laughs> but you know the environment is just loaded, man. It's rules here. And, and portions. I, I notice cheaper food comes in larger amounts. The more expensive it gets. I, I took Carolyn for one of our anniversaries. Our, our wedding night was in the Claremont. And so I took her after 25 years of marriage and said, let's celebrate over there. Let's go and celebrate our anniversary. We went there. I ordered the salad. And these were days that I was looking a little bit closer at cost. And uh, salad, you know, we're going to splurge. This is your anniversary, right? Salad said $6.50. Well, I've been used to the entree being that. We're showing out. We're at the Claremont. We're somebody. <laughs> yeah, no. I said, go ahead, Carolyn. Order anything you want. Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. And, and she, she ordered the salad, so I'll follow her. i do it. $6.50. They came out there with two leaves of something. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. Just two leaves. It was some kind of lettuce that had been flown in from Sacramento, you know, <laughs> and, and had it. And, and they just had a French name for the dressing, and that upped at $5. <laughs> I thought, what is this? I want a salad. <laughs> this is an insult. Well, that's what we ate. And later on, you know, we ordered. But I tell you, it is something when you can eat like a son. I never lost refrigerator rights, even when I got married. Every time I went home, Mama, what did you bake? And let me check out the fridge. Only sons get to do that. And daughters. And here this guy that ought to have been killed, ought to have already been on the hit list. He's coming along, stumbling each day, and he's at the king's table. This is a gift of the grace of God. I read a story that I thought is marvelous, uh, that Thomas Jefferson with a party of men. While he's president, was one time getting ready to cross the river, and a guy, a wayfarer, that just happened to be there at the crossing, he said, uh, uh, Sir, how about a ride across the river? And uh, Jefferson said, Get on the horse. And he got on, took him across the river, and when they got across, a man came up to him and said, 
tell me, why in the world did you select the President of the United States to give you a ride? He said, oh, I didn't know that was the President. He said, well, what made you choose him? He said, I looked at all of your faces, and all of your faces said no. His face said yes. And when you look to the face of God, it's the only place you can get a yes for a cripple. If you're crippled by your family background and your life and the fall and nobody's ever thought you were worth saving, you need to look to the face of Jesus. You'll say, yes, he said you were worth dying for. I don't know if anybody else ever said that about me. Uh, God's grace, uh, there's something else. God's grace treats the cripples like sons and, you know, we get to call him father. Uh, don't worry about... Uh, by the way, when you come to this table, God keeps a large, large tablecloth. It's woven by grace, and it covers your infirmities. See, when you're sitting at the table, when the guests come in, they don't know you're a cripple because it's been covered. When you walked into this place today, I assumed everybody that came to church today is a cripple in one way or the other. But you know why we came here? We get to put our feet under a table called grace, and it covers all my faults. We used to sing a song, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. Amazing grace. That's why we say all this grace stuff. Your mama doesn't think you look as good as God does. And God knows everything about you. He has clothed you in his son. And at this table, he treats you just like he treats Jesus. Listen to this song. Come, you sinners, poor and needy. Come, you sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Then you go into the minor refrain in this chorus. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. Let not conscience make you linger nor a fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. Come, you weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. There may be someone here today that you're not a believer. And you're trying to get good enough to go to church. You'll never get good enough. And I want to tell you, this church is filled with people saved from sin. And you're welcome no matter how bad you are. Because you will only elevate how great God's grace is. You come. Don't be trying to improve yourself. That's why I didn't want to get saved. I knew I'd have to improve. Even after. And I didn't want improvement. I wanted heaven, not character. I wanted my sin and heaven. He said, you've got to take Jesus or you're not going to heaven. Come. That's why we love to sing just as I am. Without one plea. Not that I'm the elite. That you ought to save me because this tribe isn't worthy of you. This group isn't pure enough. This one doesn't know enough. Oh, no, no, no. Just as I am a cripple. I come to the table because God sent out a royal party called the Holy Spirit. And according to John 6, 37, no man comes to the Father but through the Son. He fetched me. He brought me. The Spirit wooed me into this family. I didn't come to this table without an invitation. I heard him say, come, come. 
and I'll give you eternal life. Come and drink your thirst to be quenched. Come, I am the bread from heaven. Come if your burdens are heavy. Come. I said, do you mean it? He said, come. Finally, the grace of God is the only way sinners can come to the table. The only reason any of us will be in heaven is God was willing to put up with you enough to die for your sins. And I want to just end with two things. Let, I want you to look at Ephesians 2, 7. If you've never seen this, it would make you have a spell if you knew how. 2, 6. No, I got to go back. It's too good. 4. You there? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead as cripples. In transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved, unmerited favor. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now watch this verse. Watch this verse. And if you ever can, read a commentator named Linsky, a Lutheran Greek commentator. Read it on this section. He'll just give you so much out of the Greek that's marvelous. In order that in the coming ages... And it's a present tense in Greek. It's a present participle. And it means the ages will be rolling in on us in eternity. Now what is an age? Uh, an age is a period of time that God shows off something about himself. So he's picturing eternity. And Linsky gives me this language. That eternity will be epics. Our age is rolling in on the saints like sea waves. And you'll learn something about God in eternity. And here comes another wave. Another age. And so just look at it, rolling in for all eternity. These truths, did you know all eternity won't reveal everything there is to know about God? He's that big, that infinite, that great, and he's just going to keep rolling stuff in on us. And once you get down this thing, here comes another wave. It comes, and notice now, in order that in the rolling in ages, he might show the incomparable Riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? For all eternity, God is going to put you and I on display to spirit beings and the Trinity that they are the living proof we've been gracious. And one epic after another is going to roll in and is going to reveal another facet of his motives for saving you. His motives for keeping you. Why you? Not, why not Pharaoh? Why Moses? Not this one. Oh, maybe all eternity is going to unfold all the motives behind his grace. And you and I will be in the trophy case. I know he's gracious because I'm here. Finally, what would God want you to reciprocate with this grace? So you read the narrative in 2 Samuel. David is driven out of town by the rebellion of Absalom. David goes across the Jordan, running for his life, praying that Ahithophel's counsel will fail. Uh, Ziba turns out to be a uh, liar and a betrayer, and he lies about Mephibosheth. He tells David, Mephibosheth has not come with you because he has sold you out. He did not want to be loyal to you. So David eventually comes back to the city. And when he comes back, he inquires Mephibosheth comes up to him. But he's already heard this story. And in chapter 19, and I'm done, 2 Samuel, 
19, I've got to give you hope. Uh, in verse 24, 19:24, this is what God's grace should make us do. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. He went into mourning. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. He obviously took away the animal, took away his means of transportation. So he wasn't able to get out of town with David. Ziba betrayed me. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever pleases you. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who, notice, sat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. Notice Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything. Now that my lord the king has arrived home safely, I could care less about a lousy piece of real estate. I want the king. I want the king. I'm glad you're back, David. I don't want what you can give me. You've already given me more than I ever dreamed of. It was you I missed, not the land. It's the old song, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. It's the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. It's the old song that they, I want the king. Uh, I want this God of grace. And you know what? You can take all of this world. All I ask God for is keep blessing my posterity like you blessed my mom and dad. Like you saved us kids. Please save my daughters, my grandchildren. I want the grace of the king. I don't look for real estate. I'm not looking to be a rich preacher. The only area I want to be rich is in salvation. The grace of the king, he said, I offer you loyal love. Though I've been lied about, though I've been slandered, though I've been misunderstood, I'm here an unsaving man. I didn't even bandage my feet while you were gone. Why? To lose you was dying all over again. If I didn't have you as king, I'd lose my place at the table and I'd lose kindness. I want to say, children of God, one thing you don't want to ever give up in all this world is the king of grace. And you are his display. You are living proof that God's grace is. Nobody with the temperaments and attitudes and the sins and the ups and downs we all bring to him. Faithful, we're faithful for about 30 seconds at times. I'm amazed God hadn't killed all of us at times. The ups, the downs, the questioning, the doubting, the this, the that. Why don't you just... Get to the table. Get to the table. And there, Sunday service is all the cripples coming to meet around the table. Welcome, cripples. Grace has got a place for you. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. God's grace can cover anything. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times, and we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. God bless.